This student ministry podcast is a lesson taught by Brother Larry Chapel at the 2011 West Coast Baptist Youth Conference. Brother Chapel is a graduate of West Coast Baptist College and he currently serves at Lancaster Baptist Church as an assistant pastor in the youth ministry. For more sermon resources, please visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. My brother sometimes comes up to me and he will play some silly games with me. How many of you guys got maybe a younger brother or sister uh, that likes to play some silly games with you? And sometimes he'll come up to me and he'll ask me some dumb questions. And uh, I remember one time he came up to me and he asked me some questions like this. He said, Larry, would you rather be able to stop time or fly? How many guys, if that question was posed to you, how many guys would say, I would rather stop time? All right. How many of you guys say, I'd rather fly? I think that's what I would probably do. I'd like to fly around. What about, uh, would you rather kiss a jellyfish or step on a crab? Any of you guys ever been stung by a jellyfish? How many of you guys say, I'd rather step on a crab than kiss a jellyfish? Okay, there we go. Here's a couple more. This one. How many of you would rather have a missing finger than have an extra toe. How many guys say, I think that extra toe would come in a little bit handy? How many guys say, I'd go with the extra toe? How many guys say, I'd rather be missing a finger? All right. I think the extra toe guys win. How many of you, now this one, this one's important here. How many of you would rather be a giant hamster? You don't even know what the other option is. You love hamsters. We got a hamster loving here. Oh, man. Oh, they are. So cute. Uh, Would you rather be a giant hamster or a tiny rhinoceros? That'd be kind of cool, too. How many guys say I'd rather be a tiny rhinoceros? All right. How many guys say I'd rather be a giant hamster? I know you got your hand raised. How many guys, this one's a little disgusting. You have to think about this one for a minute. How many of you would rather chew a piece of a toenail off a really dirty man's foot or thoroughly lick the armpit of a man who hasn't bathed in a week? (laughs) How many of you guys say, I'm going for the toenail? How many of you guys going for the armpit? Hamster girl, what are you going for? What are you going for? Armpit. The hamster girl is going for the toenail. These are some pretty ridiculous questions posed. Would you rather do one thing or do another? It doesn't really have any implication one way or another. It's kind of funny to think about. We come to this passage in Hebrews chapter 11. And Moses made a very important decision. The Bible says choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Rather than live with the riches and the luxuries uh, uh, as, as uh, a son of Pharaoh's daughter, he chose rather than that, rather to enjoy the luxury, rather to enjoy the riches, he chose to suffer with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Uh, There was an article written uh, a couple months ago, February 28th, and it reported that today's teens have become, because of social media, are becoming more cause-oriented individuals. And it said because of things like Facebook, etc., that teens are being exposed 
to more causes today. If you have a Facebook account or something like that, you've noticed this. You go on your page and there's a cause. Like this page. Comment on this page. Repost this cause. And there's a lot of causes in the world. There's some causes that are flat right evil. There's some causes out there and there's some agendas out there. Uh, I think of even our own state and many other states. uh, The cause of uh, uh, gay marriage and homosexuality, making that the norm. And that's a cause. And there's... There's many causes. We saw in the drama last night, religious tolerance, just to be tolerant of everyone, is another cause. There are some causes that aren't bad at all. You know, I I got on here tonight, uh, today, uh, a Livestrong bracelet. I've been wearing this for about a year. Uh, It's uh, when I I was diagnosed with cancer a little more than a year ago. uh, I bought this uh, little bracelet here. It's a cause that I'm I'm willing to identify. I don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, uh, There's some legitimate needs. I think uh, some, I don't know, a friend of mine, uh, he's bought some shoes for children in underprivileged uh, countries, and I think that's a good thing. And there's causes of hunger and disease and crime and many more. And there's a lot of causes. Like I said, some of them good, uh, some of them bad, some of them not even true, like global warming and things like that. But while there are many causes in the nation today and in our world today, there is no greater cause and no greater purpose than serving God with your life. There's no greater cause. There's a lot of good things. There's a lot of options in our life. But there's no greater cause than serving God with your life and living for Him. You say, I don't know if I'm called to ministry. Well, you are called to be a full-time Christian. And you are called to a cause. Uh, Every problem found in society, whether, whether it be disease or crime or hunger or whatever it is, its root cause is sin. None of these causes one day are going to fix the problem. We live in a, in a decaying world, a sin-riddled world, and none of these causes, like I said, some of them aren't bad, but they're not going to fix the problem. The only thing that will fix the problem is Jesus Christ and a relationship with Him. It's okay to get involved in other causes, but there is no greater cause than living for Jesus Christ with your life. Uh, when we were in Costa Rica uh, a couple weeks ago filming for our youth conference video, it was funny to me. You know, you hear a lot uh, in the States about saving the rainforest. And uh, you, you see on the back of maybe a plastic bottle, save the rainforest. And, okay, we're going to save the rainforest. I thought it was ironic to me. We went down there, and the country is beautiful. And for the most part, it's well taken care of. But we pulled off to the side of the road one of these days, and uh, one of the days that we were filming, and there was, like, trash everywhere. I'm thinking, here we are in America, recycling our plastic bottles, and here they are trashing, throwing the trash out into the rainforest. They're not doing their part to save the rainforest. There's a lot of causes. It's okay to recycle. It's okay to donate some money uh, to some research. But remember, there's no greater cause than living your life uh, as God designed it. There is a specific calling and a specific purpose for your life as God is the designer for your, your life. This morning, we're going to look at a tragedy that takes place far too often. And that is the tragedy of compromise. When a Christian abandons the cause, the calling of God on his or her life, in any degree, for anything. If there's anything that's taken your attention away from the cause of Christ, if there's anything that the devil has offered you that looks maybe a little bit more exciting than than what God has for you. It's a tragedy when someone pursues that. Uh, 
Compromise is to reach a deal with another party by giving in on some or all of your demands. Now, not every compromise is bad. I've been married for four years. I've learned that to some degree you have to compromise. There's some places I don't like to eat, but my wife likes to eat there. So sometimes we'll reach a compromise. Uh, sometimes I go into a restaurant. How many of you guys like to drink Dr. Pepper? I love Dr. Pepper. How many of you guys hate it when you go to a restaurant and you order Dr. Pepper? They say, we don't have Dr. Pepper, but we have root beer, not Mr. Pibb. I'm okay with Mr. Pibb too, but we have root beer. Where's the relation there? <laughs> I don't see that. Root beer tastes nothing like Mr. Pibb or Dr. Pepper, but it's a compromise that's offered. And it's not bad. It's not going to kill you. It's a compromise. It's not what you wanted. It's not what they had, but it's an agreement reached. Some compromises are okay. Uh, there's political compromise that takes place. But it's not okay when you compromise the cause of Christ and the call of God on your life. A minute ago, we read about Moses. Moses is one of the first uh, characters I can remember learning about when I was in Sunday school. And we've known a lot about Moses, and we've, you've heard of him. Uh, if you've been in church for any length of time, maybe your whole life, you've heard of Moses. And Moses, as a baby, he really had no recollection of this. Uh, his parents, in order to save them, sent him down the river because Pharaoh had issued a decree to kill all the children uh, of Israel and to kill all the Hebrew boys under a certain age. And so Moses was sent down the river. And some of you guys remember that story. And he was picked up, lo and behold, by Pharaoh's daughter. And here he was, a Hebrew child, but he grew up in the palace of Pharaoh. And he grew up experiencing the luxury uh, if you've ever seen maybe in a history book uh, some of the way that the pharaohs were entombed, they lived such lavish lives. They had such incredible riches. And Moses enjoyed up, uh, grew up enjoying some of these things and being surrounded by some of these riches. But at some point, Moses had a choice to make. Was he going to continue living this life of luxury or was he going to identify with the Hebrew children? The Bible says, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses refused to be identified with that pagan, corrupt culture, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. I believe this passage provides an incredible summary of Moses' uncompromising stand for Christ. When he could have found a comfortable compromise, and enjoy the pleasure of sin, which is speaking of a lifestyle here, a lifestyle of sin. He chose, rather than compromise, to commit himself to the cause, to the purpose that God had for his life. Moses wasn't perfect. At one point, he even murdered an Egyptian taskmaster who was beating another Hebrew a slave. Moses wasn't the most talented guy. He had a speech impediment. Uh, but Moses valued the cause of Christ more than anything that Egypt had to offer. Will you this morning value the cause of God on your life? Our world has a lot of things to offer, a lot of career choices, a lot of entertainment. There's a lot of things that can sidetrack us from the cause, but what do you value more in your life? Moses valued the call of God in his life, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. And although Moses, he was frustrated with the way that his fellow Hebrew children were being treated. It was not until he countered God via the burning bush in the wilderness that he was given a specific cause. And that account is found in Exodus chapter 3. 
The Bible says, uh, and uh, Moses, here he is in the middle of the desert. Can you imagine some of these stories? It's hard to even fathom this experience. But he comes across a bush. The bush is on fire, but the bush is not consumed. And God says to him, the bush speaks to him, draw nigh uh, shall not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from thy feet, from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. He was in the presence of God Almighty. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. There's another account similar to this when Isaiah, he came into the presence of God and he said, Woe! What was me for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. When you come into the presence of God and you realize his holiness, you realize how bad a shape that you are in. It's not good to compare yourself with one another. You say, well, I'm doing better than that friend. Or I'm not as bad as that person. Compare yourself to God and that'll show you how good you're really doing. And Moses, uh, he said, man, I'm not doing very good at all. And uh, he was even afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey. And essentially what carries on here in the rest of this passage is God says, uh, I'm going to send you, Moses, to Pharaoh with a message essentially this, let my people go. And Moses says, uh, who am I that should go unto Pharaoh? And God says, look, I'm going to be with you. And no matter what the cause is, isn't it a great and comforting fact to know that God is with us? God does not send us alone. Even with the great commission, he says, and lo, I am with you always. And so God says, I'm going to be with you. And, and Moses said, who should I tell them sent me? And God said, tell him, I am that I am sent me unto you. God is with Moses. And the journey of God's will is not meant to be traveled alone. God is with us, and we have the Holy Spirit to guide us and to comfort us along the way. When Moses came into the presence of God, when he met God, his purpose changed. God had a plan for his life and the plan for the Hebrew children. But before Moses leaves, God warns him and says, I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in their midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass that when ye go, ye shall not go empty. So the stage is being set here. God appears to Moses via the burning bush and says, look, go into Pharaoh and tell them, let my people go. And, he, and then he warns them. He says, there's going to be some opposition. God never promised that his cause would be easy and that people wouldn't reject you for your cause. And God tells Moses, look, there's going to be some opposition. I'm telling you to go to Moses, but I'm telling you right now, he's going to say no. And I'm going to have to smite him and the Egyptians with all my wonders because he's not going to give in easy, but eventually he will let you go. There is opposition in following God's will. So the Hebrews, God's chosen people, were in bondage. The stage is being set, slavery in Egypt. Pharaoh was the pagan leader of, of Egypt and the one personally responsible for the captivity of the Jews. God raises up Moses to confront Pharaoh and, and lead the, children, the Hebrew children out of Egypt into the promised land. Egypt, throughout the Bible, is representative of the world. God wanted his children to get out of Egypt, to get out of the world. Pharaoh is represented in, and he was an emissary of Satan. God tells Moses to give Pharaoh a message, let my people go. 
God commanded Moses to take the children of Israel out of of Egypt, a distance of three days journey. Moses knows what God wants, but Pharaoh doesn't want to give in. The stage has been set, and now the bargaining begins. In Moses chapter 5, we find the first time that Moses and Aaron will go to, to, to Pharaoh. And it says, and afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may feast a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? God, the de- his, God his deity is questioned. During this day, uh, the Egyptians had so many gods. Some even considered Pharaoh to be a god himself. He may have considered he, himself to be a god. And they had so many gods and they worshipped so many things, a pagan culture. But they not, had not heard of the true God. He says, who is the Lord? And they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Let us go. We pray thee three days journey into the desert and sacrifice unto the Lord our God. Lest he fall upon us with pestilence with the sword. We don't have the time this morning to read throughout the entire a few passages here in Exodus. But basically, this passage is repeated time and time again. Moses and Aaron going to Pharaoh saying, let my people go. And Pharaoh saying no. And so God sends the plagues as he promised. The plagues were a sign to the Hebrew children that God was in control. A great display of God's power. These were judgments to Egypt for persecuting God's children. Uh, Genesis 12, 3 tells us that God will bless those who bless him and will curse those uh, who uh, curse his children. And these plagues would would, uh, eventually lead to their freedom. And there were also prophecies for future judgment to come. Each plague was a declaration of war against one of the false gods in Egypt. And so the plagues came, and we were not going to take time to talk about uh, every plague in depth, but let's review them today, because these are kind of fun to look at. Let's look at these, some of the plagues here. The first one, the water turned to blood. This is the first plague that happened. How can you, can you imagine going to your water supply and blood comes out? That's pretty nasty. I don't do well seeing blood. Uh, I... Uh, I went to make a hospital visit with Brother Schmidt one time. And I went and made this visit. And we walked into the room. And there was a guy sitting there on the bed. And uh, he had just had a big surgery. And he had like, I don't know what it was. But he had like uh, a, a little cord coming out from underneath the sheets. And it had some blood dripping it. I remember looking at that. And I started getting queasy. I was there with Brother Schmidt. And he's talking, sharing verses, you know, doing everything you're supposed to do. And I'm just like starting to get hot and sweaty. I'm looking there. And Bam! I fell over. Uh, next thing I wake up, I'm sitting in the bed next to the guy. I'd passed out there in the hospital room. We had one more visit to make. Brother Schmidt says, you know what? Why don't I just go make this by myself? I don't do well seeing blood. Can you imagine your entire water supply turning to blood? That's exactly what happened. Uh, and uh, their economy was all off track because of the fishing out of the Nile River. This was a bad thing. Uh, the Nile itself was worshipped as a god. And here it is. Turned to blood. Uh, the Bible says in uh, Exodus 7:24, and all the Egyptians digged round about the river for water to drink, uh, for they could not drink the water of the river. And the Bible talks about how it stank. 
Uh, man, blood, uh, once it's dried, it starts to rot and it starts to stink. Someone had uh, brought us some meat to our house uh, a couple of months ago. And uh, I tried to fit it all in my freezer, but I couldn't fit it all in my freezer. So I had some left in my garage and I gave some away to my brother-in-laws. And uh, I was thankful for this meat that someone had, had given us and, and put it there. Well, we, uh, my wife and I had been away for, uh, we had gone on a couple trips. We had I'd gone to a wedding and then uh, we had gone to film a youth conference video and uh, came home and our garage was starting to stink. And uh, I told Ashley, I said, it's just because there was a trash can in the corner. It needs to be emptied. So I emptied that and uh, took, that, took care of that. Then I got this cold. So I walked in and uh, Ashley said, man, our garage stinks. And I'm like, it doesn't smell like anything. I couldn't smell anything. She said, it's starting to stink. Sure enough, yesterday I went home and uh, I could, even with the cold, I could tell that, man, something was starting to stink in the garage. And I went and opened this ice chest and there was meat in there with a whole bunch of blood and been sitting there for quite some time. And man, it stink. And the Bible says, it uses that word. It said that the blood caused Egypt to stink. It said it stank, and they, they, you couldn't do, go anywhere to escape the smell. So there was the water was turned into blood. The next plague that came along was the infestation of the frogs. Again, the frogs in Egypt were worshipped. It was the god of fertility, okay? So you can't just shoo these frogs and kill them or do whatever you wanted to do because you worship them. There's an infestation of frogs. You can imagine them everywhere. The Bible again says that it stank because the frogs, eventually the frogs died. The Bible says they piled them up into heaps. Can you imagine frogs everywhere? And then the next plague that comes along, the third plague that comes along is the infestation of lice. Uh, little tiny bugs you can't even hardly see, and, and, and yet they would bite you. Oh, man, this was not fun. Itching, scratching everywhere, the infestation of life. Then the fourth plague that came along was the infestation of flies. I hate flies. I hate flies when they come and land on you, trying to swat them away. But this was an infestation of flies. And the Bible says in eight, uh, Exodus 8.24, the land was corrupted by reason of the swarm of flies. So these plagues are coming Every time there was a plague, Moses and Aaron would go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. Pharaoh would say no, and God would send a plague. In the midst of these plagues, we're going to look at four compromises that take place. And we'll look at them in just a minute. But the first compromise, the first offer that Pharaoh gave, came after this fourth plague. What I mean by compromise is, Pharaoh said, I'm not going to let you go, but here's what I will let you do. I'll give in a little, you give in a little. That mindset, that is never okay when it comes to God's will, to give in a little to the world. But the first two compromises come after this. Let's continue to look at the plagues. Uh, the fifth plague that came, all the livestock died. The sixth plague that came, the boils were upon their skin. Throughout this, if you read the story, if you have the time to read through it, it's kind of entertaining. Uh, Pharaoh has his own magicians that try to duplicate the plagues. Some of them, they just couldn't duplicate. Uh, some of them, through magic tricks, they would try to duplicate. You know, uh, when uh, Moses turned uh, the Nile into blood, uh, the magicians came, and they, they duplicated that trick. They were able to turn some sort of uh, water into blood. I think it would have been a real trick if they would have turned the blood back to water. I think that would have been a little bit more helpful for Pharaoh, but that's not what they did. But there's, uh, these magicians are there, and it said this time when the boils came, they couldn't even come and do any of their magic tricks because they have boils on the bottom of their feet. They couldn't even stand. And then there's this destructive hail that came. There was the infestation of a locust. After this, another compromise that we looked at, that we will look at came. After this, there was three days of darkness, and then, of course, the death of the firstborn. 
For every plague, there was first a warning. Most of the time, Pharaoh just said no. The first time he said, I haven't even heard of your God. Back and forth, some historians believe over the course of the year, uh, this battle went back and forth. But there were four times when Pharaoh came back to Moses with a counteroffer. I'm not going to let you go, but here's what I will let you do. Here's the compromise. Let's look at the first compromise. Exodus 8.25 says this, And Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the land. The first compromise is this, Go worship God, but stay in the land. Go worship God, and stay in the land. we got a little graphic here to illustrate each of the compromises. You see the promised land over there in the far corner. That's where God wanted the children of Israel to go. He had a place for them to go, and he wanted them to go a three days journey. We see the line there in the Egyptian bondage, and Pharaoh makes a compromise. He says, go, worship God, but stay in the land. Here's the implication here, and here's the lie that Pharaoh gave them. God's will does not conflict with your current lifestyle. With each compromise, there was a corresponding lie or implication. Someone once said that compromise is simply changing the question to fit the answer. And our society is so good at questioning authority and questioning God's word. But what Pharaoh applied here was that God's will does not conflict with your interests. Go worship God, but stay in the land. How subtle this compromise was. It wasn't a complete denial of what you know was right. Stay where you are. Worship God, but stay where you are. Stay where you're comfortable. You don't have to change anything about your life to worship God. My friends, that's not true today. God requires us to change. True worship always brings about change in our life. You cannot worship God and remain unchanged. This compromise would never have worked. You cannot stay in the land and worship God. You cannot be infatuated with the world and worship God. The Bible says that you cannot serve God and serve man. You cannot stay in the world and worship God. We said that Egypt was a type of girl, a type of the world, and some people try to do this. Some people try to straddle the line. They try to live for the world one day, and then they'll live for God the other day. And that doesn't work. You cannot serve man and God. You have to choose one or the other. Choose you this day whom you will serve, God or man. You cannot stay in the land and worship God. This compromise would have never worked for, for Moses and the children of Israel. It would have never worked. They couldn't have compromised. Uh, one of the ways that uh, the children of Israel served God was by offering sacrifices. Some of the animals that the children of Israel were to sacrifice were worshipped by the Egyptians. It never would have worked. One of the most prized uh, animals that the Egyptian worshipped was the cat. Uh, they worshipped the cat. How many guys got a cat? Some of you guys are like the Egyptians. You're worshipping, worshipping the cat. <laughs> uh, the Egyptians worshipped the cat. There was actually one account given in history where a soldier accidentally killed a cat and he was put to death. They, were, they took their, their gods pretty seriously. It never would have worked because the Egyptian pagan culture and what God intended for the children of Israel were in contradiction one to another. 
If you're trying to please, please both God and man, if you're trying to live with one foot in the world and one foot in church, if you're trying to have fun during the week and then come to church and, uh, and, and then put on a tie and try to be okay, it will never work because what God wants for you and what the world has for you are in complete opposition. You can't worship God and stay in the land. The truth is that the flesh and the, and the spirit are exact opposites. Galatians 5.17, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to another so that you cannot do the things that you would. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Uh, you cannot serve both God and man. The Bible says that his desire for his children is always to be separate from the world. The Bible says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So compromise number one was go worship God, but stay in the world. Worship God, but you don't have to change anything. You don't have to change your music. You don't have to change the shows that you watch. You don't have to change the friends that you hang out with. Go worship God, but just stay right here. It would have never worked. Go worship God, but stay in the land. The second compromise that Pharaoh gives to Moses is this. Go worship God, but don't go too far. Go worship God, but don't go too far. Exodus chapter 8, verse number 28 says this. And Pharaoh said, I will let you go that ye may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only ye shall not go very far away. God was very specific with Moses that he wanted them to go a three-day's journey out of Egypt. He wanted to get them far away from the world. But, Moses, but Pharaoh came back with a second compromise. Go, but just don't go that far. Okay? If you're going to do the whole Christianity thing, okay, that's fine. Go to church on Sundays, but don't get too radical about the whole thing. Go, but don't go too far. It's okay to still wear, uh, wear those clothing that you know is of the world and listen to that music. Just go, but just don't go too far. It's a sad thing when you make a decision and a friend tries to talk you out of it. Hey, man, you don't, don't, don't go that crazy. You know, don't listen to that. Don't stop watching that. Don't go that far. Let someone else, let someone else be crazy. Don't be a fanatic. Don't be a Jesus freak, whatever they may call you. Go but don't go very far. The implication here is that you don't have to make big changes in order to please God. You know, just little, little changes here and there. You know, okay, maybe change this. Maybe change your schedule. But don't change this. Don't change everything. Stay close to that line we looked at a moment ago. Go, but don't go too far. This is a lie from the devil. God does not only want us to change, but he requires change of us. He requires radical change. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed or patterned to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be transformed means to be radically different, means to be changed because the time that you spend in God's word, we're not to be close to the line. We're not to be close to uh, the, the world, but we are to be radically different. Go, but don't go too far. 
Don't go crazy. Don't go weird. Uh, make some changes, but just make some small changes. The devil's going to do anything within his power to get you to compromise. And if you're going to give in, if you're, I'm going to live for God, the first thing that he's going to do is counter you with the offer. Okay, you're going to live for God. I saw you made some decisions at youth conference, but just, man, don't get too crazy about this. You know it's not going to work out anyway. You know you're going to go back in, on your decision. Go, but don't go too far. Pharaoh wanted to keep them close to Egypt. So when that things got tough out in the desert, that they would just head right back. It's easy when you're drawn, when you're close to the line, when you're so close to the world, to just slip right back in and no one even notices. That's why the devil would like to offer you this compromise. Okay, if you're going to live for God, that's fine. You can do your thing, but don't go too far. Live for God, go worship God, but don't go too far. There was a third compromise given, and that is this, and we must hurry. Go worship God, but go alone. Go worship God, but go alone. Exodus 10, verse 8, And Moses and Aaron were brought again unto Pharaoh, and he said unto them, Go serve the Lord your God, but who are they that shall go? And Moses said, We will go with our young and with our old, with our sons and with our daughters, with our flocks and our herds. We will go, for we must hold a feast unto the Lord. So Pharaoh says, Who are you going to take? And Moses says, We're taking everybody. And Pharaoh says, that's not going to happen. He says, look at verse number 10. He said, and he said unto them, let the Lord be so with you as I will let you go and your little ones. Look to it for evil is before you. Not so. Go ye now that are men and serve the Lord for that ye did desire. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. So Pharaoh makes a third compromise. Go, but go alone. He says, go, but I'm just going to let the men go. I think there's a lot of implications with this. I think one thing that Pharaoh was attempting to do here was uh, to destroy families. I think that one, that's one of the, the greatest things that the devil tries to do. I know so many. How many of you are in here? You have to be embarrassed, but raise your hand. You say, I come from a split home. You know, my parents went through a divorce. There's a lot in here like that. One of the things that the devil will try to do is try to drive, drive a wedge because, uh, in between you and God because of family situations. I believe God was desiring to split up the family because God's intention, God's desire was never for the guys to be worshiping and everyone else to be at home. No, that's not the model found in Acts. They all went together and they all worshiped. And we should all be involved. Uh, our, our worship should not be something just that our dad does or our mom does or uh, you know, our siblings do, but something that we all do. Amen. And, God, and, and Pharaoh says, go, but go alone. I think the implication is here is that your private faith is okay. What your, your faith does not need to be expressed publicly. Private faith is long. Okay, if you're going to be a Christian, and if you are insistent about leaving, and you want to go far, just go alone. Go alone. Go far, whatever you have to do, but go alone. I think the lie here is that your faith does not need to be expressed publicly. Pharaoh's saying, let the men go, let the men do their thing. That would have never worked either. Families would have been split up. Families would have been destroyed. Our faith was not meant to keep private to ourselves. If there is a cause today that is real, it is a cause that others must know about. 
And we've been given a commission. And just like Moses was given a call and a cause, we too have the same. And this cause is not meant for us just to keep to ourselves. It's meant to tell others about Christ and to spread the gospel of Christ. There is a reason and a purpose that we were left here on this earth, and that is to tell others about Christ. And the devil, if you're going to insist on living for him, he's going to come back with some compromises. He's going to say, if you're going to go, don't go too far. Stay in the land. Uh, If you're going to go far, just go alone. Private faith is fine. You You don't have to be a fanatic. You don't have to tell others. Go worship God, but don't. Don't involve others. Do it on your own. And so we see the third compromise. And finally and quickly, we see the fourth compromise. And that's found in Exodus chapter 10, verse number 24. And Pharaoh called in Moses and said, Go ye, serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Let your little ones also go with you. Here's the last and final compromise that Pharaoh gives to Moses. And this is very close to what God intended for them. He says, go worship God, but leave your possessions. Go worship God, but leave your possessions. He said, leave your possessions here in Egypt. Leave your possessions here in the world. Listen here and we'll be done. The devil wants a stronghold in your life. Each of these compromises had an end goal in mind. And that was to get the Hebrew children back into the world. And that is what the devil wants of us. The devil doesn't want to call out uh, Christians who are separate from the world. The devil wants us to be coming back into the world. The devil doesn't want us to be committed to a cause. Go worship God, but leave your possessions. I believe the lie here, the implication is that total surrender is not necessary. Pharaoh had just about conceded. He lost a lot of ground. Remember, between all these compromises, plagues were coming. One after another after another. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Here comes another plague. He's not willing to get in, but he doesn't want to keep on going with these these plagues, these wonders that God is, is pouring down on Egypt. He says, go, take your family, Take your kids, go as far as you want, but leave your possessions. The devil wants a stronghold in our lives. What's your stronghold this morning? What is your possession? What is your hobby? What is, what is it that you won't give up in order to serve God? Is it your music? Is it your entertainment? Guys, is it the things that you watch on the internet? What is that stronghold, that thing in Egypt, that thing in the world that is keeping you coming back, that keeps you coming back. The Bible says, neither give place to the devil. Pharaoh wanted to disable their worship. Satan wants a stronghold in your life so that you will not be able to worship God as he wants to. He said, leave your possessions with me and it will be here when you want it. Some of you guys, I don't know, Maybe not in this session, but sometime throughout this conference, you need to come forward and put a possession on the altar, leave it there, and never go back for it. Don't let that stronghold be there in your life. So we see the compromises this morning. Ten plagues come, four compromises are given, and Moses accepted none of them. And finally, 
after the final play, Pharaoh gives in. The Bible says in Exodus 12, verse 31, And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as ye have said. Also take your flocks and your herds as ye have said, and be gone and bless me also. I love Moses' response when Pharaoh says, Leave your possession. Moses said, We're going to take everything. He said in even one verse, he says, there shall not an hoof be left behind. Not even the hoof of one of our cattle will be left behind. We are doing what God wants us to do. And we are completely surrendered to his will. And Pharaoh calls for Moses and Aaron by might. And he says, go. Go far as you want. Go with everyone you want and take whatever you want. Just be gone. God gave them the victory. When you refuse to compromise, God will give you the victory. I believe we all saw the cause last night. There's a great cause that God wants for each of us individually, but the devil's going to offer you a compromise. Don't take that deal. Thank you for listening to this Student Ministry 127 podcast. For more sermon resources, visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. And for information about West Coast Baptist College, visit wcbc.edu.